river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 100. Voice of the editor here. Hi, welcome to episode 100 of Kingmaker. If you've listened this far, we presume you're probably enjoying it, and we want to thank you for spending this time with us. At this point, you have terrifyingly heard over 7 gig and more than 220 hours of my voice. But, unless you're one of a very exclusive small group of listeners who have actually provided feedback and I could probably count them on one hand, we haven't heard a lot of your voice. Now's the time to let us know you're out there and listening. Tell us what you think. Tell us you liked our Mark the Twiceborns pre-recorded echoey prophecy. Tell us about your Tristan shipping fanfic. Tell us that you want more fighting and less talking. Tell us you're excited to know what the deal with the Clockwork King is. Tell us that you miss Corwin. Tell us we're too loud or too quiet. Or just wave your arms and let us know that you're out there listening and where in the world you're listening from. Take five minutes and contact us on RPG MP3's Discord, or their forum boards, or private message me, or email me at sugarfueledgamers at gmail.com, and the feedback will help power us to provide another 200 hours of listening. If you are in a position to help financially support HAL and RPG MP3 to cover their server costs for all the noise we're making, uh, please consider dropping what you can in a donation via their Patreon to help keep the lights on and keep us on the internet. I don't think Kingmaker will make another 100 episodes before we hit the grand finale, but we sure hope you enjoy every part to come of books 5 and 6. If you're currently out of content, be sure to check out our other podcasts of Curse of the Crimson Throne, another Paizo adventure path, or the world's most wondrous year in which we face the evil Phileas Fogg racing around the world for pulp adventures, or any of our other Sugarfield Gamers podcasts. Thanks for listening to 100 episodes thus far, and we hope you enjoy the rest. When last we left our hero. Yes. If you're good. Yes, I am. I'm, um, the first thing I'm going to be doing is commune questions, <coughs> but let's catch up with where we where we were when we left off. Um, so you'd been down and poked around Pytax, the bits, bits of Pytax have done exploration again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, had been down the Mivon River, across the marsh and down the Mivon River, I believe. Yes, we um, sailed down the Mivon River, 
we found a steam grotto which exploded all over the place and elected not to um, not to um, continue to poke it because it nearly killed Michaela. Yep. Um, and then we had gone and explored some random grassland. Yep. And um, one of the things you had sailed through, which is in um, F4... Uh, skull fence? Yes, there were a whole bunch of skulls on st- on stakes, basically. Yes, I was somewhat troubled by that. And yeah, then you have sailed home, decided to uh, solve your Quintessa problems by once again consulting the gods for answers. Yes. So you have taken Michaela out into the woods in the middle of the night to yes. you know, answer community questions with her. Yes, yes, that's totally As what the teenagers doing. are doing these days. Yep. Okay, so you and Michaela are out in the woods alone in the dead of the night. And because you, of course, you're both half-orcs, I imagine you don't actually need or bother to have a light, particularly because you're doing things in, in, in an effort to be as secret as possible. Yes. So you're both sitting in the dark, in the woods, listening to the faint sort of... Noises wicking through the trees... And Michaela will take the scroll and begins casting Commune. So she puts the scroll in front of her, sits down cross-legged in front of it, and puts a hand up on where her veil is and just strokes the side of it very gently. And she says, We are here tonight not, not to indulge mysteries, but to solve them. We are here for answers. And so I call, openly, without secrets or mystery. I call you here to answer our questions. Thrice will I call thee, Lady of the Seven Veils, to reveal all we seek. Savannah, Robin Goodfellow, Puck, I call you. And pulls her veil aside. And... As she does so, there is a faint echoing laugh through the trees, and Michaela's face goes into a very un-Michaela-like expression. It's this wry smirk with her lips sort of curled up like so. You hear, I'm here. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> is Quintessa Murray human? Yes. Okay. Is she a follower of Gyrona? No! This is what Michaela does. Yeah. Is she a follower of Callistra? No! Is she evil? No. Uh, clarify that one. I presume that's as defined by, by the alignment. Align- as yes. defined by the alignment. I'm yes. not looking for a more complicated moral judgment. Yeah. Um... Is she a member of a secret organization? Yes. Is she pregnant? No. Mm-hmm. I'm double checking because yep. uh, because of Ron's vision. Has she cast any mind affecting spells on Tristram? Pause. Yep. Yes. Has she cast a charm spell on Tristram? No. Okay. And, um, is she a follower of yours? Uh, the answer you get back is, oh, come now. 
and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be openly, um, it would be openly contrary to, to the goddess of mystery's interest to, to answer, answer that, that question, question one way or the other. Yeah. And, um, Kaelin will, um, grin at, um, Michaela Park. Yeah. Well, I feel more confused now than I did before if it's any consolation to you. That's a good night's work. <laughs> and Michaela suddenly snaps back too and hooks her bail back. Ah. Well. That perhaps wasn't as illuminating as we might have wanted. Well, it. I'm happy she's not a follower of Gairona. I mean, I admit I was kind of hoping for the Sakiwai route because it's a nice, straightforward problem. This is more complicated than that. A member of a secret organization. Well, that doesn't narrow it. Which ones? It doesn't narrow it down very much. I mean, I don't know all this. There's probably secret organizations I've never yeah, heard that's, of. That's a really hard one to nail with yes and no questions. Yeah. I mean, there are things you could go through like that you know of, like the Order of the Silver Twilight, and that it's I, just if you don't have the right one because you don't know it exists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, like, I mean, or when you it don't comes have sufficient reason to believe that she's secretly a pack master of Catapesh or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know like five secret organizations. I mean, she could be a red man assassin the pack she could be a um she could be a member of I know she's not a member of the Church of Corona. Yeah. She could be a member of the Order of the Silver Twilight. Triskin could have quietly inducted her. Yes. That would be a very likely outcome. And then that's a completely alarming sounding false positive. Or she could be a member of some completely different organization that could be anywhere from mind horribly yep. menacing. Yep. So what are you going to do with this? I mean, you can turn around and do this again and ask another nine questions. Yeah, I only bought the one commune scroll. Yes, but it's not like you can't do this again another night. Yes, you that's have, true. Um, elastically large time periods to play with. Yeah. It, I mean, whatever Quintessa is about, she's clearly not about to um, uh, move on some ridiculously sudden plan that's going to happen tomorrow night that isn't happening tonight kind of thing. Yeah. So, Kaelin is go- what Kaelin is going to do is he sits in the woods. <laughs> his, his puzzle. It is, um, sits in the woods for a while. I'm a bit perplexed at that point. Yeah. But Kaelin's got now a sort of pen and pencil, a pen and, um, parchment, ink pen and parchment is writing down this long list of secret organisations <laughs> that she's aware of that exist in the world kind of thing. I'm less worried about the secret organisation thing. It's entirely possible he has inducted her into the Order of the Silver Twilight. If I'd gotten no to the mind-affecting spells question, I'd have been inclined to think that um, I was worrying a bit over much, and however poor a choice she may be as a girlfriend, she's not up to do any, any actual harm. She hasn't charmed him, and she hasn't dominated him. We'd have not just that. that much. Yeah, that's one of the few good things about that um, thing, is you can't really miss it. I mean, even charm. Um, the, you know, the, um, I've, I've done my best to eradicate the poetry he wrote to... Um, although, admittedly, that was the um, that was her effects combined with the charm. But yes. Charm, there are things, subtle things you can look for if a person's charm. The domination is more easy. It subsumes their desires. I.e., 
with my plus 17 sense motive, I can make a 15 check standing on my head, mm. but a 25 is actually a thing that I have to roll for. Yeah. <sighs> of course, the person I'd customarily asked to research um, mind-affecting spells... Is Tristan with his legend lore? Yes. Oh, in, in terms of mind-affecting spells? Yeah. Um, Michaela has some little spellcraft, and Trista is pretty much your main guy for that. Mm. Well, the thing is, I can ask him to research them. Yes, yes, you can. <laughs> he can probably give you an exhaustive list. That does sound useful. Alright, I think we're going to have to leave it for the moment. Keep thinking. So, what I'll ask you to do is keep a bit of an eye on him and her and see if you can... see if you notice anything that's up. And, um... We've still got a few months yet. We'll just keep thinking. And, um... Kaelin will glance at Kaelin and sigh for a moment. It may get to the part where you need to speak out if you don't want him to marry her. What business is it of mine? Kaelin looks at her. the end of the day it's his choice can't make a choice if you don't know what it is that you're choosing between just think about it if he knew the choice would be easy it'd still be his choice it's giving him giving him the option to make one is the thing Anyway, we'll keep our ears open and see if we can find out some more about what's happening. So, uh, you could indeed actually go to Tristan and say, you know, I'm interested in mind-affecting spells. What um, what does that entail? Yeah. And he could, I suspect, tell you with ridiculously um, spellcraft is probably something incredible. Um, oh, Svetlana actually has multiple ranks in spellcraft as well. Excellent. So Tristan has 20, she has 12, Michaela has 5 to give you a relative... Um, cool. Then I will go and see Svetlana. Galen, what can I do for you? I'm looking to find out more about spells someone might cast to influence someone else. What kinds there are. Things that are a bit more subtle than, you know, that dominate thing. Uh, there are... I, I certainly know of domination spells where you can simply puppet another person. They're most unpleasant. There are charms for more subtle interactions, simply making a friend of someone, making them look upon you favourably, and then several things in between. That's what I'm looking for. I know about those two, but I don't know so much about the in-between ones. Is, is, is there a specific pattern of behavior that is worrying you? Anything that, um... Eh, 
Anything to narrow it down further? Uh, I'm looking at, I guess, um, love spells or generally get having influence over somebody else. Okay. Think, things that you can use that are more long term than charm, which wears off pretty fast, as I understand it. Uh, yes, there are several such things. Um, it will depend on the way the mind was affected. That not all of them are even necessarily hostile. Uh, she rolls a twenty-eight on her spellcraft. Oh, good girl! And can tell you about things. Like this. So this may not be an exhaustive list because this has some non-core things in it. Um, but there's the charms and dominates, the things that you're most aware of. There are a bunch of other things that are mind affecting, like fear and things like that. Yeah, which are all mind affecting spells. Um, and there are several that are actually. Um, completely non-hostile aid is a mind-affecting spell, as is bless. Right. Um, calm emotions, uh, all the charm spells. Color spray is a mind-affecting spell. Uh, command, the cleric one, sit. Yeah. Uh, Day's monster, the sleep spells, uh, the dominate spells. Dream is a mind-affecting spell. Detect thoughts is a mind-affecting spell. Um... Dreams, the one where you send them a message in their dreams, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, enthrall, the bardic ability. Right, yeah. Fear, geese. Uh, heroism, that's a mind affecting mm-hmm. spell. Um, irresistible dance, although you'd probably have noticed that one. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, things like mind fog, things like modify memory. Yeah, modify memory. I try to, um, even if I know some of these things, I try to actually obtain the character information. And there's several variants on those non-hostile ones, like Bless and Prayer and various higher-level versions of that. Uh, Rage, uh, Scares, Fear, Suggestions, um, Any Symbols. Uh, you would probably notice that she cast Touch of Idiocy on him. Yeah. And Zone of Truth is actually a mind-affecting spell as well. Interesting. Although that's so, pretty hard to miss, because that's a... Uh, like, it's not a very subtle thing to experience if someone casts yeah. that on you. And, yeah, the sleep things and things like that. And then, uh, like, higher levels. There's sleep yeah. and then there's deep slumber and this sort of thing, but they're all functionally yep. the same, same. But... Like there's uh, confusion as well as the other one that's on there, but see, there's, like there's several things in there. Yeah. Some of which are actually can only be helpful. You know, heroism yep. is a buff that helps you. It is not a um, detrimental spell to you, but it's yep. mind affecting. All right, I um, take some notes and. Yep. And then I thank her. <laughs> Yeah, and the reason she has this many ranks in spellcraft is because she sat down with Tristan and learned all this stuff yeah. coming into her own magic to get a better idea of how to channel her power. Cool. She says, whatever you need, I'm always here. And um, on that note, I think um, I will take Svetlana and to spend a bit more time exploring Pytax. Sure. Where dost thou wish to go? I'm just looking... So we sailed down through Mivon last time, because it was quicker, and yeah, that's so how we wound up on the Mivon River. So you've got that Mivon River sort of hooks around the um, upper northeast corner of the map kind of thing. Yeah. 
Well, I am very curious. Um, we'll take the um, get um, sail down the Mervon River again. Yeah. Um, again, borrowing Cal- um, Corwin's folding boat. Yep. Um, and then um, I think um, stop off in the um, F four. Yep. And have a bit of an explore of the land area in there. Cool. Find out what's going on with that that, that there skull fence. Okay, so there's a little bit on the other side of the river, which is not very interesting. Uh, this is a... Grassland hicks? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to draw the colour distinction between grassland and hills. Yeah. Because uh, one's a darker green and one's a lighter green. Yeah. So, yeah, there's nothing on one side of the river. It's only a fairly small slice of land. Yeah. And then on the other side of the river, um, for what's probably a good two kilometres along the river, there are these stakes periodically mounted with skulls on top of them. And when you go and take a poxy at them, yep. um, they are a bunch of skulls, they're they a bunch of just wooden wooden poles that have been sharpened and jammed into the ground and then sharpened again at the other end and that's stuck up through the skull. The skull is not the skulls are not like particularly glued or roped on. They're just sort of jammed forcibly down into the wood. Uh, you may give me a heel check to see if you can determine anything else useful. Or if you have like carpentry based skills or things like that. I don't suppose knowledge engineering is relevant here? Uh, yeah, that'd give you something. Cool, I'll take Kale that. would give you something completely different. Again. Yeah, I'll take knowledge engineering because Carolyn's heel is, is not all that in a bag of chips. Um, and that was a ridiculously good knowledge engineering role. Um, uh, that's a 34. Okay, so y- you draw nothing in particular from the skulls. The stakes that they are on are just... Wooden wooden poles, wooden thick wooden poles that have been sharpened at both ends. Um, they look like they have been made out of local wood, you know, to the River Kingdoms as opposed to something else. What is interesting about them is that they are all fairly well made, and they are all really precisely made. And the more you look at them, the more precise you think it is. Each there are slightly different types of wood that have been used in different ones, but each one has been made to exactly the same length, exactly the same angle of point, and everything else. Like they've been made by a golem. Yeah, I, I was going to say mass manufactured, but um, yeah, but I uh, my money is on made by a golem. Mm. I some I, either something very mechanical or a craftsman of incredible precision. But craftsman of incredible position doesn't lend itself so much to stakes on poles. Mm-hmm. Skulls on poles, rather. And, I mean, you don't have to work very hard to interpret the message is stay away. Yeah. So, um, rather than crossing it, yep. I think I'd like to um, go round it and um, see what what's beyond the other end and start from that way. Yep. Uh, but yes, unsurprisingly, we are not going to um, take the hint. You and Svetlana are getting around with horses, aren't you? We are. Oh. Uh, so, 
She will have mage armors cast on herself because she can just keep them up all the damn time now. Yeah. Uh, she'll also have Overland Flight cast on herself because she can. Yeah. Uh, she can also have Overland Flight cast on you if you desire. Give you 13 hours of flying should you want it at any point. Okay, well, I think um, rather than have her cast that on me and uh, 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 just on general principles, I'll save it for when I. Um, yeah. If I actually need it. Makes because sense. it gives her a free high level spell slot. Yeah. It's one of those things that, um, well, it, in all fairness, the only thing she can do with it is cast Overland Fly. Right, that's the only thing. That's it's the, the only, only fifth little spell, spell she knows. Got, right. She's got four castings a day. Yeah, and she can cast Overland Fly. I mean, she can use them to go to lower end spells, so that's yeah. more, more, more fireballs. But, yeah. Um, well, there's no such thing as too many fireballs. Cool. So, you roll around this, uh, and. You don't have track. Uh, you can give me a listen check. Yep. Callum's well known for his awesome deception. 13. Yeah. Uh, you and Svetlana do not hear a lot of interesting noises or anything of that sort around here. Um, you may give me a survival check other different information uh, 17 um, the place seem, the, the area sort of around here seems a little more denoted than you might expect of animals just your generic sort of animal life like the deers and boars and that sort of thing that are around yeah um, like something is you know killing them yeah um, I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm having a troll feeling and when you walk around this, or ride around this area rather, you can see there is a reasonably high point. Calling it a mountain would be a bit of an exaggeration, but it is either a very small mountain or a very high hill, one of the two. Um, and it is around that, about th- about three or f- three and a half odd kilometers out from it, is this fence of these stakes with skulls on it goes all the way around it's completely useless as a fence to keep you out because there's no ropes between them and they're just put up intermittently but the message is clear from every direction yep don't go to this hill but there's nothing actively preventing you from doing so and there are marks inside the fence line, but you can't draw anything, any useful conclusions from them. I.e., you know, something has moved in there, there are tracks of some kind, but they are completely meaningless to you. They're not big, obvious footprints. Alright, so um, what I want to do for a start is explore the rest of the hex yep. outside the fence. Yep, and that is what it has in it. Cool. Mysterious uh, hill. And then um, I want to... Um, Get Switlana to cast Overland Flight on, on me. Sure. And let's fly in. Um, we'll um, set the horses up somewhere comfortable outside. Um, and, um, you know, settle them down somewhere comfortable. We'll um, tether Switlana's horse and ask um, Windrider to keep an eye on it. Windrider has to keep an eye on it. I can read the message in that fence line. <laughs> I'm good here. <laughs> Alright, um, so... 
overland flight provides you with never used this one before okay uh, so you'll she flies at 40 feet you fly at 30 because you're wearing heavy armor um, average maneuverability means that you can't stop and hover basically you, you have yeah. to continually take move actions to keep going whether you want to or not or you crash um, but you can pretty much fly uh, for alt- certainly as high as you would want to to surveil this sort of thing. Yeah, so the theory is... In theory, is, you can fly up into the atmosphere, but you probably shouldn't do that. No, no, I'm good with not doing that. But the theory being, like, because we're, um... I mean, Svetlana doesn't really wear armour, but I'm big and clanky and noisy, and I don't have someone stealthy or disguisey with me. Yep. But I can... There is an alternative to just chomping up the hill really loudly, is that we can sort of yep. swoop delicately over the hill. Yep. And see what's in there before we make the decision about whether we actually want to come down. It's alright. Now, you may want to take my hand at first. This is going to feel a little weird. <laughs> and casts this and takes your hand and you sort of slowly step up into the air and take off and the ground goes away from underneath you. And you feel nothing supporting you at all except Svetlana who's just very lightly holding your hand. And then at some point she lets go and it's Awesome. Yeah. Unnerving initially, but then awesome. Okay. And so you fly over. Uh, And now, from your aerial point of view, you may give me a spot check. Yep. Ah, Kaelin. Kaelin, Kaelin, Kaelin. The thing is that flying is quite a novelty to Kaelin, and you may be concentrating <laughs> a bit more on that. Don't worry, Svetlana's got a four. She's, she's got it under control. <laughs> well, Kaelin got a three, so that's a total of um, five. Okay. Alright, so there may be a small flaw in her otherwise... On the other hand, even with crappy rolls, we ought to be able to see the really obvious things. Yeah, so around the hill below you because you're sort of looking at it from yeah. like a plane flight style point of view there are things m- moving around on the ground lots of them you know may maybe an even dozen or so so a reasonable amount and from up here you have absolutely no idea what they are they don't look like anything that you are familiar with and you've got such a you've, your point of view is so little that you just kind of see these shapes. What they are doing, however, is circling or perhaps patrolling this area. They are just sort of rolling around in what appears to be largely random directions. And that's that's what you can see yeah. without actually flying down to have a closer look at one, at which point it would be very apparent that they could see you as well. Yeah. I think um, I would like to... Um, ch- uh, there, there is no sign of reaction to you. Yeah. Nothing I, jumps, flies up at you, or looks around at you or anything like that. All right. Um, what I would like to do is aim for relatively close to the fence, yep. flying back down so we're relatively close to the fence while still up high, yep. and then endeavour to fly down and get a better look at one and risk being seen. Yep. Um, with the theory being that we won't be very far away from the fence. Yeah. As opposed to landing right on the top of the mountain in the middle of all of them. So, you fly down, 
and you can get a reasonable look at one as it rolls. Yeah, it definitely rolls past. It looks like a ball, a giant metal ball made up of tiny little ball bearings. I mean, the technology is there for ball bearings, so you're familiar with what these things are. But as it's rolling around, the ball bearings are continually flicking out as sharp metal spikes go pink, 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 pink out from it, like soccer cleats. It's like looking at a lawnmower made up of a million tiny balls, and it goes... as it just grinds along over the soil. And now you know where the weird tracks you have seen come from. It is thousands of these little balls and a giant ball rolling across. It's definitely, you know, mechanical in some fashion because it's it's metal and it has moving parts. Um, but you have never seen one of these before, unsurprisingly. And Svetlana. Perhaps it is some sort of construct? I think it probably is, yeah. It doesn't react to your presence in any way as you sort of just fly past it. Because you, you've got to sort of keep circling it to yeah. look at it, but as you fly around it, makes, it takes no reaction to your presence whatsoever. Uh, let's go back out. Um, and we fly back up, fly back out, and land on the other side of the fence. Yep. Uh, and yes, your perception checks, are, your spot checks are horribly poor, you don't see anything else if there's anything yeah. else to see. You land on the other side of the fence. They do not sort of come up all that close to the fence, but now that you're listening from the background, you can hear that vaguely of Langolier style <laughs> noise. Oh, what a charming metaphor. Yeah. It, it Imagine ball bearings running through a lawnmower. Yeah. Alright, I don't know how dangerous the, them things are, but I'm a little more, there seem to be a bloody lot of them. And I'm thinking maybe we should know more about them before we ignore the warning of this nice fence. Uh, let's press, let, we've um, had a poke around here, and we didn't know what was down here, and now we do. It's a, it's a hill with weird constructs on it, and the skull, and the skull fence goes all the way around. There's, there's somewhere in the neighbourhood of a dozen of them. Let's uh, let's press on somewhat. Okay. Um, so what we want to do now is get back in our boat. Yep. And sail on up to the um, F3, which we didn't explore. And um, because it is a water hex, sail round it up and down the river and have a look. F3. Yes, indeed. believe you've gone there that one is watery yes yeah so yeah we're set we're exploring it by boat yep and what you find is a reasonably nice pleasant river fish not too fast flowing cool um, there are signs that um, there are signs that it is fished indeed um, you may well actually see one or two fishermen they take no alarm at a boat going by it's a pretty yep. everyday occurrence for them That is explored. Cool. 
and then um, we will um, push on into um, D3. D3 is mountainous terrain. Oh, that will take a bit more height than three then. These are the Brathland Mountains, you would fairly easily be able to determine. And they go across a reasonable stretch of the River Kingdom across. Um, they are made largely up of sort of stark white stone and generally very poor quality land. Like, there's not much to be done with this. Yeah. And there's nothing in that chunk but mountains. Okay. You can, however, very easily see from there in, um, what is that one? That would be C4. Uh, there is a huge point rising out, a very high mountain. Okay, giant mountain. Sorry, C4. There we are. Take the giant mountain off C4. And then, um, we will, um, head down into, um, E4, E4, sort of winding back round. E4 is grassland. Oh, that'll be a bit quicker then. And, yep, just grassland. Cool. Plain, ordinary, simple grassland. And um, heading on into F5. F5 is grassland giving way to hills. So. Grassland in this one, but going cool. into hills at the edges. Yep. Is there anything in the grassland? There is not anything in the grassland. Okay. And then, um, yeah, still got a bit of time. Um, we'll push push um, west again and um, head into E five. Grassland giving way to hills again. Also, um, also, also nothing. Yep. Yep. And the thing that will strike you is how. Um, Relatively tidy and orderly these these lands are. Um, no, none of this is none, this is not being used for anything much in particular, um, but it is. Um, it, it's not full of you know wild monsters, horrible crags, skeletons, anything like that. Irovetti clearly keeps. Had like you has scouts out on patrol and wardens and that sort of thing to scrub the land periodically of dangerous monsters and that. Yeah, you mentioned that on the last last yeah. trip that the, we're not going to be getting lots of random encounters yeah. or finding huge amounts of giant monsters that he doesn't know are here. Yeah, giant monsters that he knows are here is a different being a different matter, of course. All right, um, and then um, we'll head across into G five. G5 is hills. Cool. And likewise empty. Likewise empty. Okay. And last one, we'll push into G6. Uh, G6 
is also hills and empty. If you pass me a pencil or write some things. All right, and we will um, move back up through um, G5 into G4. Yep. And boat back up the Mivon River. Cool, you do so. Having explored a um, decent and um, chunk of the nor'east of the um, of Pytaxia. Yep. Pytax. All right. And this is all pretty much self-directed you driving at this point. Yep. And um, that is the month of Abadias. Yep. And cool. head into Cholesterol and um, potentially have a kingdom turn. Yep. Um, and what you get in terms of what's happening with the war with Pytax is um, well, it's, no giant armies have come up and run you over while you were away sort of thing. Um, you get words from your scouts that effectively Erebeti scouts are sort of moving in your territory. There have been little, little skirmishes, by which I mean sort of two men on two two golems kind of thing. Um, basically, he's, keep, he's keeping an eye on what you're doing and what's happening up here, but there has not yet been another, another battle or assault or invasion. Yeah, which probably means he's endeavouring to build up what he considers to be an overwhelming force. Before he tries again. Mm-hmm. Cool. And also, um, it was winter and not that bad marching weather. I don't know if it still is as we head into Callistral. Uh, it is winter through Callistral as well. And yeah. And Forast is the spring. Okay. Shall we start then with the Kingdom turn? And then just have a, a big one in Forast? Yeah, because what we've sort of said we'll do is, um... Basically, kingdom turn event, then army stuff. If there is any army battles and movement and things. Yep, sounds good. When you're good, you may um, begin your kingdom turn of harassed and raw stability. Cool. And I fail stability by less than five, so, so I take an eight point of rest. Okay, what are you for magic items? Uh, I've got one slot for eight of the medium items. Brace yourself for. Uh, a scroll of fireball. Ooh. I guess first people can just kind of cast fireball. Yep. Yeah. They can. Yeah, okay. So very little to appeal to Svetlana. The day she uses her 15 spell slots on fireballs, uh, it's unlikely fireball that yes, 16 fireball isn't really going to solve the problem. Yeah. Is Michaela interested in it? Not really. Yeah. However, I will leave it on the list for a moment and I'll clear my cloak of arachnia. You may use your royal enforcer to address your unrest if you choose. I'm good. Change leadership. Clan of Manor Hexes built. Terrain. Big, big pile of stuff. Cool. Yep. Kalen does a couple of big things. Yep. Um, he increases the size of Fort Drelef, adding another city hex sheet to it. Cool. Because he was compl- it was completely full. Um, and he builds a cathedral to Glorum in Fort Drelev. Cool. So you are building this majestic edifice to the god of war. Yes. Seems appropriate given, you know, we're about to embark, we're embarking on a big war. Mm hmm. Alrighty. So, uh, that gives you three minor item slots, which is another economy. Cool. It gives you two medium item slots. Ooh, how pretty. It reduces your unrest by four. 
I'll just note these down and then I'll do them. Uh, it allows you to have an army of clerics equal to whatever else you can build. Ooh, as so opposed to restricted in size. Oh, cool. Alright. Um. So somewhere in your cleric army it says they have to be a size smaller than your kingdom. Yeah. That's no longer true. Okay. So in theory you can th- field, now field a thousand clerics if you are so inclined. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it raises your loyalty by four. Whew. And it halves what you are paying for your promotional edicts. Um, ah. Recruiting people to your kingdom thing. Ah. Which you probably haven't looked at in forever. It's, I think it's just sitting at standard or what have you. Um, it's, um, I think it's a bit higher than that. Um, it's aggressive at present, so I'm paying um, for consumption. Which drops to two. Cool. Um, and what this looks like in practice is now that you have built this towering edifice to Gorham's glory, you are going to get a lot more Goramites coming to your city, whether you want them or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With its own, you know, requisite um, problems associated with that. Yeah. But that's effectively where that penalty is going. It is now easier to bring in those kinds of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And that's it. Okay. Alright. I will spend a little bit of time making that, so... Any named lizard... If I can find any named lizard folk that want to command my lizard folk army. Well, there's Veska. Did she want to command an army? I thought she Not retired. Really. Yeah. Uh, my understanding was she wanted to spend her declining years with her lizardman harmer. Mm-hmm. With her lizard folk harm. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be happy to have her command an army of lizard folk. I just don't think that's what she wants to do with it. That said, though, given they are mostly a defensive army, you know, it may well be that she'd be invested enough to do that. Um, yeah, given that she is going to um, have to fight one way or the other if people come to invade the Hoyak Mounds. Yeah, and the the um, Koyakvar are pretty much they're they're not a big army, they're there to defend Merkvale. Yeah, if you want to assign a biscuit to it. I am I have been a great leader of my tribe for many years. I have led them through battles and wars before. I do not wish to leave my see my home undefended or in the hands of Anyone less skilled or competent. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, and uh, she gives them a mighty morale of plus one. Yay! That is a very nice, friendly, good bonus. Yes, I of course had to need Thunderhoof commanding the Central Army yeah. right up until she became a councillor. And counselor. then you went to war, so now she's in charge of the Central Army. Yeah, and it's a likewise problem with the Vanhold Army, is that Van's busy being the general of, you know, the entire shebang. Yep. So that's about what I've... There we are, but now I've got, um... 
Now I've got three, three non bombs, which is for seven armies, which is slightly less boring. Cool. And, you know, sooner or later I'm going to get Kestid Garrus back. It just might not be until after I've won this war. Cool. Alright. At which point we'll have a chat with him about stopping getting captured. <laughs> Although it is better it's than hardly me. my... F- it's not something I'm trying to do. <laughs> I've armed. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the charging boldly into the fray when the army's losing that's the problem. <laughs> so... And then, um, economy check? Yep, uh, you can change your edicts if you so choose. You don't generally express any interest in it, but given a, um, thing has come up. Um, I would be very happy to, um, but I assumed that, because it's a turn order thing, that I would have to take the unrest penalty on a following turn to do it? Uh, it's, it's build, create army units, and then the last step before get income is issue, is change edicts. Oh, sweet. Then yes. Um, which means I'll pick up a point of unrest yes. because I'm changing things and that's after my building so I don't get to clear it with my Correct. mad railing powers but I'd be um, mad um, cathedral powers but I'd be picking it up whenever I change my edicts and yes I was pla- based on that I was planning to go up to expansionist cool um, so let me find my edicts bigger and bigger and bigger And because I am going straight from aggressive to expansionist, I get the um, I get to find out what it does as well. Yep. Uh, Which means I'll know everything for promotion and nothing for tax because I never change my tax level. So you go up to plus four stability. Cool. And what would be eight consumption, but instead becomes four. Cool. All right. So my consumption goes back up to what it was. Yep, yeah, pretty much. Always have the option for Gregory as an army commander. Yeah. I'd be happy to dang- tie him off and dangle him out the front of the army. On a stick. On a stick, yes. But I don't think that's... The reality is, if I was going to kill him, I should have, you know, done it the old-fashioned method by stabbing him. Um, anything else is a bit threatening to the old lawful alignment. Damn, it's convenient not be able to slaughter civilians and keep those paladin levels. Well, Gregory is one of the chief challenges to my alignment. Yeah, that's what he's there for. Consumption goes back up. My consumption is nine now. Building an it was four, but building an extra army has been a bit and um, has been a bit vicious for it. And of course, the um, larger Drelev boosts the um, old consumption as well. And then you are on to uh, events. Uh, Sorry, income then events. Income then events. Yes. I say number, nice high number. Ooh, beautiful, natural 20. You succeed anyway, even if you don't have the economy to do so. Yep, which, in fact, I do. That is um, a glorious 49 build points income, which is plus 20, which is very, very, very nice and extremely timely, having just spent most of the money in the kingdom. Yep. Kingdom Treasury was six build points, but um, looks considerably um, healthier now. Okay. And then you're on to a giant string of events, and you are due some rumours as well from yep. your wanderings. Okay, and a giant pile of events. So... Uh, 
we'll just do these. I think we will start with the mathy event. Yep. Um, so um, that will be Ter- Lord Terry and Domesti as your counsellor comes to see you. And he says, Your Majesty, Your Majesty, I have good ne- I have good news and bad news for our people in the kingdom. The good news is with the impending and ongoing threat of war, our marriage rates are well up. Young people are finding it is a good time to bind themselves to each other to strengthen our community. The downside is that with trade somewhat cut off and merchants reluctant to bring in their goods, we are having a food shortage. I don't think it will be a great problem for us. We have several granaries that should take care of it and keep us going through the lean times. So, uh, what cities do you have that don't have granaries in them? Uh, any ones that have granaries defeat this problem automatically. Okay, um, definitely not all my cities have granaries. Uh, well, that's just typical. Um, old um, Drelev didn't bother to build one. No, of course one. he didn't. <laughs> and um, while Caelan was definitely planning to, he was... There was definitely well, enough food in there for, for Castle Drelev. Yeah. That was what mattered. It was slightly... Ironically, given he got sieged. Yes. Basically. Well, the thing is, it wasn't the sort of siege where, uh, right up until oh, the very last part, it wasn't the sort of siege where he couldn't bring in food. Yeah. That's a bit more, actually, thing. Um, Merkvale does not have a granary. Yep. Um, so, Vanhold, Lakeview, and Fort Drelev do not have granaries. Yeah. So, so it's about 50-50. Tyrion says, our people, our people are happy by and large, my lord, but, your majesty, but any given society is only three good meals away from a riot. <laughs> we, and where we have them, we will, we will open up the granaries to take care of this in the short term. Otherwise, there may be trouble. Uh, and you need to make me three loyalty checks. Okay. To see whether your citizens start demanding extra service. Okay. I make the first one. I make the second one. And I make the third one. Yeah. So I'll keep an eye on the situation. And it comes back to report to you over the next several days that um, people are grumbling. You know, their tummies are hungry. But there have been no riots, my lord. Aristotle will be proud of our people and the community we've forged here. So you do not lose multiple d6s of bill points to your food shortage. Well, that's a, um, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Okay, is this something I need to pursue? No. Okay. It is a, a one-and-done thing. Okay. Basically, some of the merchants have stopped coming in the intervening, like, basically the ones that are coming through Pytax. Yeah. In the intervening time, they're going to have to make other arrangements, and that takes time to sort out this temporary food shortage. Yeah. Long term, it's not a problem. Cool. Okay. Next one, uh, you can have a rumor about what is happening in Pytax, desire one. Oh, yes, sounds good. Um. You hear a rumor about some of Irovetti's armies, um, specifically that 
the Clockwork King has hired in an army of mastodon-riding hill giants <laughs> known as Tusker's Riders. That's awesome. They are functionally mercenaries that he has hired. Yeah. Um, but as they are hill giants as opposed to people, they don't deal in the same way like the Mercenaries Guild deals fairly honourable. You don't yeah. you, you don't backstab your employer. Yeah. Uh, hill giants don't have that, that sort of code. It's entirely possible that with sufficient financial inducement you could convince them to change sides. Awesome. If I, for a chance, found out where yeah. they were, um, where they were based. Yeah. Yeah. So the rumour says, anyway. Yes. Well, it's also, you know, he, while they are still working for him, he well, may well deploy them against me. Yes. Very possible. It's very possible you'll see them earlier. Yes. Anyway. Okay, good to know. Cool. So I got a rumour. So the next, next one is, you are at affairs of state, specifically planning your army movements and army, that sort of thing. You've got Vaughn in with you and, you know, the big pile of terrain and miniatures and pushing things around with your poles and that sort of thing. Once we get the new bowmen organized, well, once we get the new bowmen organized, we'll need to decide whether we want to use them as a primarily offensive or defensive unit. They'd be useful if... And then both of you blink for a moment as there is someone in the room with you who wasn't there half a second ago, and with no disturbance at all, somebody is there, and it is a man on a horse just sort of appearing in the middle of your tactics room. Um, It is a man on a horse with a big blood-red banner stuck on the banner pole behind him that is rippling despite the fact that there is no wind in here, and has a heavy heavy armor and a helm pulled down across his face, and the guards, when they see this, sort of you know reach for swords immediately, and then seem to pause for a moment and look at it, and and Van looks up at this figure, also goes for his sword on instinct, and then stops himself. Ah, holds a hand up to the guards. Don't worry, I think, Galen. I've seen this before. This messenger, when you took, uh, uh, when you when you claimed Orvenbane, ah, he came everywhere. Gorham's messenger, and Kalon will um, salute the big fellow. And the messenger will turn on his horse and trot slightly across the room. Which the horse seems completely full with this, and. He gives you a vague clang salute yeah, on his chest nice. and then leans down slightly off off his horse and says to you in this echoey voice that sounds like it is coming from far away and it has that air of command around it as every sergeant you've ever served under. It's, he says very br- very briskly, Hail, Kaelin, King of Stagthorn, commander of many armies, home of Gorham's mighty cathedral. <laughs> Hail. The Lord and I am as much pleased with what you have built here. But such debts, debts such as yours, are not paid off by simple buildings. They are paid off in battle and in blood. Yet for your offering, the Lord and I, the Lord and I would offer you the chance to do as any good soldier should. Gather information. Be ready for your enemy, for your battle ahead. 
Gorham challenges you to settle your debt in blood and battle. Take a companion of your choice and face what is known as the War Sworn. Do this, and all between all blood between us is forgotten. And he will tell you uh, a location. This awesome. Which um, he sort of says, you know, go to the hills, bloody blah, miles from here, etc., etc. That is in E7 in Pytax. Okay. I think it's quite my map. The Herald tells you that there is some kind of creature in there, creature, monster, golem, whatever, called a war sworn. Um, and more or less, at your convenience, when you go through that area, you will be challenged by it. Awesome. Um, and he says pretty much, you know, take a boon companion with you and go engage it in man-to-man combat, basically. And um, Kaelin gives him a big, fangy, shitty grin. Absolutely. War, blood, and glory. Clangs his chest again. The horse rears up and... And he goes to gallop and just disappears into thin air. Bloody hell, that sounds like fun. Rather you than me. I don't know what manner of challenge Gorham will throw at you, but I imagine it will be something excessively warlike. Well, you know, it comes a time when um, it's amazing how many problems you can't solve by hitting them, but it's... um, So, uh, personally, I found the... um, the um, what was it called the trial? Gr- the trial. It was the trial ground. Yeah. Found the trial grounds very refreshing in that regard, and I have I have faith in Gorham that he's come up with something equally where um, violence is the equal solution. So when you go to you know ask about it with your people, what have knowledge skills? They can give you an info dump on what a war sworn is, but I figure you don't want it necessarily piles in advance. You want it when you're actually going to poke it. Yes, that sounds good. Cool. But, you know, awesome. And, um, I will, um, at a later point pop down and discuss it with the, um, Temple of Gorom yep. so that they're aware. Yep. And they have all had sort of, um, strange dreams of you riding into battle against a, against a vast army kind of thing. An epic, ba- an epic battle of war and blood. Yeah. And but haven't been able to clarify what it means. On the other hand, you know, the priest will tell you the Iron Lord is not one for great is not one for great intrigues and subtlety. If this is what you have been told, then that is what will be. Yeah. So uh, basically, what has happened? The fallout from this is that was going to happen anyway. Because you have built the cathedral, you actually get a warning so you can go in prepared for it as opposed to just running into it at random. Right, yes, that makes sense. Which will be heavily to your advantage because as with all of these things, 
when you know what you're going against, you can prepare for it. Whereas yes. if a giant monster just kind of jumps out of space and attacks you, yes, it's a bit alarming. Yes, and also, um, you know, running like a sissy girl while um very yeah. tactically sound is not going to uh, really pay off my debt very well. Okay. And do you want to knock off here, or do you want more? Uh, what's ten o'clock? Um, this is probably a good time to knock off. At this, uh, I didn't want really want to play particularly past ten. Cool. I, I am really curious about what the next thing is, but I uh, I will give you. I will start the next one then because I think you will probably want to ponder it. Yes, that sounds and decide good. Decide whether or not this is a thing you want to do. Um, but effectively. You will get a um, a formal request for a delegation from Rastaline of Mivon. She wants to come up and meet with you to discuss various matters of rule and war and etc. etc. And presuming that you accept that, because you have no yes. reason not to. Absolutely. Um, at some point in the month, she will actually turn up with a retinue and come to your kingdom, you know, greet you appropriately, settle down, settle down, speak to you at length. Um, and she says, you have great troubles, Caitlin, with the war with Pytax. Aye. The Clockwork King is an unenviable enemy. I am glad that I am not in your shoes. Aye, it's, um, it's not something I sought, but, um, I did sense that it was coming sooner or later. He wants what I can't give him, and... I haven't been able to come up with a way around that. War is a very expensive and difficult business. Mivon would like to support you somewhat in this deal, as well as strengthening our own borders against the against the Pytaxian menace should it turn its clockwork eyes upon us. And she starts talking at great length about this, and what it transpires to is she starts talking about how previously you have traded land with her, because you gave her that hex that had Selenia in it in exchange yep. for um, her borrowing her army. Yeah. Um, at no point in here is she prepared to actively commit armies to you. She actively does not want to go to war with Pytax. Yes. What she wants to do is buy land um, and pay you in build points, by which will, will come in the form of weapons and gold and that sort of thing. Um, and what she is prepared to offer you is 200 build points. Okay. And what she wants for it is all of the last row of hexes in Varnhold. Ooh. And I will squiggle you a quick map here so you understand the geography of what you are looking at. So, here's Pytax. Here's Mivon. Here's you, basically. Now you've got Draylev, the Green Belt, and Varnhold over here. Yeah. Um, here's what was Brevoy up yeah. above you. And what she is looking for. Uh, I see as a joint it's so that she's got a link between She will herself. now have a if you if you give her this, then the Kingdom of Mivon will now encompass a direct border to Brivoy. Yep. As opposed to you sitting between them. Yep. Um, and of course she does not uh, spell this out to you, but 
it's not so the sort of thing you're going to commit to on the spot. Yeah. And it is reasonably obvious as soon as people look at it, she is looking to uh, expand her kingdom to to link with Revoi fundamentally. Yeah. Not necessarily to um, join up with them, but to have a mutual border. Because they've already got that defensive pact, and yes. now they'd have the capacity to actually... Yes, the problem know, with it is they need to move armies through your territory to actually go from point A to point B. Yeah, which... Which has a lot of inherent problems with it, particularly if they go to war with you. Well, I mean... They have a huge logistical problem. Absent, um... Absent um, them going to war with me, she can move armies through my territory because yes. we have three passage through each other's territories. Yes, but, but she's there thinking are other, about the future. Yeah, there are other advantages to um, from her perspective. I mean, among other things, the kingdom that she doesn't have a lot of space to expand. So, whereas yeah, so that is that is the offer she is prepared to extend to you, and basically. That terrain is largely not particularly exciting. It's plains and bits of mountains and things like that. Um, there are some gnomon lands in it. Yeah, that would have... Which would be problematic. Yeah, that would have to be a conversation. Um, um, let's see. So, um, it includes four hexes of mine that have been claimed. Yes. They're just hunting preserves. Um, so that would, you know, require a little bit of um, moving around. But I do have a lot of um, free land there. But yeah, quite a substantial portion of it is Nomen. Three hexes of that are Nomen lands. Yeah, she will actually offer you. Um, she will increase her value by the cost of the hunting preserves, effectively, if it's already developed land. Cool. Um, and yeah, so that is the the offer that is floating yeah. to the table, and she has no expectation you're going to tell her a yes or no on the spot. Yeah. Because um, the other thing is. There are a lot of other grasslands around that area. Yeah. Like the and the Noman uh, centaurs are nomadic. They could potentially, you know, like they kind of stuck to their traditional lands because you know other areas tended to be infested with humans and stuff. Yeah. Well, their most traditional traditional lands are actually where Vortico's tomb is. Yeah. That's supposed to be their their old homeland before Vortico came along. Right. Cool. So that's actually um. They could potentially move... I mean, they can't go all the way south, because a lot of that's still evil, but they could um, potentially move in a southerly direction. Yeah, so that is a thing that um, is put on the table for you. She lays it out with a bunch of diplomatic niceties, will then speak to you about other business of rule, and then effectively will take her retinue and depart again. She, she would hang around to be entertained for a week or so while you thought about this if you weren't in a state of war. Yeah. As you are, she will actively leave so she's not getting dragged into the middle of it. Yeah. And you can ponder it at length with your advisors. Yeah. And yeah, that's pretty much that one unless you wanted any um, horrendous dumb 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 to go out on, but um, that will probably do us. I, I think that's dramatic enough for the t- without... Um, do you give up a strip of your land in exchange for those desperately needed build points to fund your vast armies? Dun dun dun! dun, dun. dun.